0: Rest assured, I contacted at least 18 different people to preach. So you've got me. But uh, my confidence isn't so much in my skill or ability, but uh, sharing the word with you. So I'm hoping the word will encourage you today uh, in spite of the messenger. But we're going to look today at Exodus, the 14th chapter. Um, But sort of by sort of warming up to a little bit, I can confess that sometimes I can feel pretty small. I think probably you sometimes feel that way too. Sometimes irrelevant. Uh, Sometimes throughout my life, looking back on the last 30 years or so in this church, I can feel like an underachiever. Uh, I think about my abilities as a parent. I think about my abilities in the community, Uh, even seeing this church go from 15 to 20 to 130 and everything in between. Uh, Some of you share that, probably that feeling of that emotion of up and down and up and down, but I'm hoping you'll take some encouragement this morning uh, from the fact that God really loves and cares for his people and that he has really, if you'll think about it, has built his entire church on us, on underachievers, on people that don't do spectacular big things that get covered in the media. Uh, He works through his people, almost in a parallel universe, almost a parallel storyline, which we'll talk about a little bit today. The story from Genesis to Revelation really is a story about him. We're We're in it, but we're in it by his invitation. We get the privilege, we get the grace of being a part of that story. But it's all about God. All these stories that we'll read about today in Exodus 14, all the way to all these stories we read about through Revelation is all about him. It is a weird story. If you're like me, you grew up in a church maybe, so all these fantastic stories of Christendom and how it came to be from Genesis to the Psalms to David, uh, you sort of take it for granted, you know, like, well, of course, that makes sense. Step back from that for a second. What a weird story, right? It is a bizarre story. Thrown out of a garden, slaves in Egypt, these are leaders, this is the Christian church, slaves in Egypt, being led by a stuttering man in the desert, a boy killing a giant with a stone, what is that all about? Uh, The line of Jesus being preserved through a prostitute, Rahab the harlot, Uh, Jonah being swallowed by a whale, how fantastic is that? A carpenter's son, Jesus of no means and no position. God speaking through a donkey. Eternal life being given to a thief on a cross who did nothing good throughout his life but expressed a little bit of faith before he's executed. Fast forwarding to the church, believers meeting in homes, establishing a church like pariahs of society pushing through a time of excess in the church, salvation through works, persecution of others, pushing through a health and wealth prosperity gospel, which some of us have seen, following this pauper, drinking wine and eating bread, remembering death, resurrection, blood and flesh. You can't write this stuff. You know, it's uh, Hollywood couldn't write this line. It wouldn't be, it's bizarre. It's a strange story. And the only people that can appreciate it are those given faith in the Christ. The story doesn't pass through the rich. It doesn't pass through the skilled, the connected, the best looking, the better planners. It doesn't flow through a mega church. It doesn't flow through a best-selling author. Rather, I believe it flows through ordinary people like you and like me. God's providence pushed along like a leaf in a river Unable, really, to chart its own course, but on that journey. We're going to read Exodus 14, but I want, you to, I want to illustrate something for you that I hope you'll carry with you, whether you're reading in Exodus, or Psalms, or Matthew, or any place in the Bible. There's always a tendency to read these stories as the lens of me. In other words, I might read this story of God delivering his people Israel and I might look at it as, well, look how great I'll come out if I'm on God's side or if I play by the rules or if I do this. Not really the purpose of any of these stories in the Bible. The point is always that God is the point. Worship is the point from Genesis to Revelation. The mystery of how he calls a people worship Him, to glorify Himself. God is the point of all of these stories. So we're going to look at what I think is a super familiar story to you in Exodus 14. If you want to follow it, you can. If you want to just sit back and hear it, that's how I do it. So feel free to do that. Starting out at the very beginning, it says, and listen to this, Then the Lord said to Moses, so this is God himself talking. That's a point that's been missed by me a lot. God is prescribing what you're hearing right now for Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. Listen to this, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them. What have we done? We let the Israelites go, and we've lost their services to us as slaves. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army, 600 of his best chariots, along with all the chariots of Egypt, all his officers and all his men. And the Lord, the Lord, hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, horsemen and troops, chased the Israelites and overtook them, camped by the sea, hemmed in by two mountains, Nowhere to go. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Sarcasm. I would have been in that group. What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians and die in the desert. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. All the Egyptians you see around you today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea to dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will chase them. I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army, through the chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved in front and stood behind them, coming between the army of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, this cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so neither could get near each other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind turned it to dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, horsemen, followed them into the sea. During that last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of the Egyptians' chariots so they couldn't drive them. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from these Israelites. The Lord is fighting for Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore, When all the Israelites saw this mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they put their trust in him and Moses. So, what encouragement does this scripture have to us through this wild and improbable tale? It may not be that if we play by the rules and do this or that, that we're going to have a great outcome. I don't know if you've ever felt discouraged or hopeless about school, work, political climate, circumstances of life. If you're like me, you have, you will. Um, But what can we learn from looking at God's word for his people? In the story of Moses leading his people out of Egypt through this Red Sea, we can see a pattern that I think is for us, his people today, of how God cares for his people. A pattern we see repeated over and over again in all these stories from Genesis to Revelation, a pattern that we can take comfort in, a pattern that says, I will preserve a people for myself and for my glory. Imagine yourself as one of those Israelites being given freedom of life away from slavery, being led unmistakably by God by very direct instruction following a pillar of fire God was absolutely leading this expedition. He instructs them with detail every step of the way, and you follow him with confidence, only to be led to an area trapped between two hills, pinned against the edge of the sea, and absolutely no escape. Humanly speaking, what's coming at you, an army that will not only kill you, it will kill your family, brutally, painfully wipe you off the face of the earth a true test that a lot of us will never see. But the anxiety that that produced for the Israelites can be the same anxiety we face today. Circumstances like when cancer comes, when we lose a job we love and that we identify ourselves with, when our income won't care for our family, when we suffer a horrific accident, we get abandoned by friends or by family, What comfort can we take from this story and the way God works and cares for his people? What does God do for his people that he has taken the lead of, just like he took lead for the Israelites? Well, he guides them, and he'll guide you in his will. He protects them, and he'll protect you in his will. He carries them, and he'll carry you in his will, and he will preserve you according to his will. He walks them through the sea, but he carries them to safety, but notice he doesn't transport them to a city of gold and comfort. What does he do? He preserves them and he comforts them. These people, these Israelites, are on the same strand as we are. You are part of his plan. You are part of his chosen people just as surely as the Israelites that passed through the Red Sea. Scripture tells us a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes his justice on the earth. Realize when you're in a difficult place that the Lord has placed you there. He's allowed you to be there for a plan and a purpose, whether you can see it or not, this side of heaven. You have a role to play in this story. Remember and look to the Lord in the roughest of times, just as the psalmist did, a thousand years after they crossed through the Red Sea. They're still celebrating. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They didn't remember your kindnesses. They rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet He saved them for His name's sake, for His name's sake, to make His power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. The psalmist is celebrating this a thousand years later. Three things we can be encouraged by in God's word for his people. One is... We, you, are here by God's appointment. Ephesians tells us, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. What else can we know? We are in his keeping. Scripture tells us in Matthew, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. And finally, if you can't understand what God's doing, He works on His time. Trust Him. Romans tells us oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable His judgments, His paths beyond tracing out. Can we remember this morning and agree on some of these bits of encouragement? We're here by God's appointment. We are in his keeping and care. He works in his time and in his way. Take comfort in your heart in the love and care of your Savior. We should feel a certain freedom, a certain liberation, if we take hold of that in our hearts. It should make us different as individuals, for sure and for certain, but also as a community. And I've seen some of that in this community and in the Christian church generally. What does it look like? Romans gives us some ideas. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Remember, each member belongs to one another. Detest what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Outdo yourselves in honoring one another. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, persistent in prayer, share with those in need, and practice hospitality to each other. Live in harmony with one another. Enjoy the company, enjoy the company of the lowly, Scripture tells us. Do not repay evil for evil. Carefully consider what is right in the eyes of everybody, and live at peace with everyone. Let's pray. Dear Father God, I would ask that you would impress upon every believer gathered here this morning that we rest and are so well cared for by you, whether we can understand it or not. We thank you for the honor and the privilege to be part of this grand strand that goes from Genesis to Revelation that calls a particular people for a particular purpose, to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. I ask your richest blessing on everyone gathered here today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.